And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Going to talk some Cubs. Uh, we're into September. Were we into September for the last part? I didn't know if that's like the dividing line. I can say, oh, we're into September now. Maybe, maybe we were. It feels more September-y now because we've passed Labor Day. The pools are closed. So you, all you have now is uh, baseball down the stretch. And, you know, um, it is funny that uh, basically everyone, so everyone in my life knows that I'm a huge Cubs fan in addition to doing this professionally. But uh, it's been interesting to me how well people are tuned into the fact that the Cubs have not been sort of playing meaningful baseball at this point in the year, in the last like five years. So that's like, everyone is like, ah, man, good to be watching some, some meaningful baseball now, huh? And it's true. I mean, it's I every it is you forget how nice it is that you can be having uh, conversations about sports, sort of just general in sports, and it involves the Cubs in relation to a postseason race. And because um, again, we've been over this, but it's been five years. It really has been about five years, other than the little tail off at the end of twenty nineteen, because can't count. 2020 and otherwise uh, it's just been a very long time so I, i'm digging that i'm digging or maybe this is me uh you know post hoc trying to talk myself into why the back-to-back blown ninth inning losses this weekend against the reds were they're actually a good thing because it just means that things are really exciting and that's why i care and that's why i'm like slamming my fist into the ground trying not to wake up my son as uh as the reds come back again uh, so there's my setup. Let's start there with that with that series. I think it's easier to swallow now that the Cubs have gone on to, you know, they won on Sunday, they won yesterday. But I think, you know, that that was too tough to swallow back-to-back losses to go into the ninth with a one-run lead and lose both of those games in, in a walk-off. Yeah, I mean, with the competing comes a lot of angst with every close loss, right, as far as fans go. Uh, it, it's kind of fascinating to follow on on social media, just kind of observe what people are so angry about and why they're so angry about things, and then kind of understanding uh, how much do I agree with the, the, the anger, how much do I agree with uh, David Ross's moves. You know, I, I think that's uh, – it's it, it, it's nice to have these types of debates again where, they're, where, where there's – it's – 
you know, you can question the manager and it's like, who cares? It, you know, a year ago, it was like, who cares? Like, why are you like, why are you complaining about this? He has no players on his team worth anything or whatever, right? So it's so you have a so you, so you can actually have these debates and 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 it's worthwhile. I uh, I wouldn't say I like back every single thing that David Ross did over the Labor Day weekend. I would say that uh, I think I think some of these things are just on the players, or just on the situation, and just on the reality of of baseball. Uh, particularly sticking with your guys on offense and and uh, and bullpen usage. I think I think there's there's some things that I I, un- I understand the frustration about, but I think there are pretty simple explanations. And I also noticed that there was a lot of confusion about why these guys were here, um, and and why why some of these call ups were were even called up in the first place. Like why like rosters expanded, and it's like why aren't you using these guys? Um, I, I guess like Brett, I, I'm curious like what what like if you could give the fan. So I'm not just spouting off. Uh, yeah, what yeah, I read yeah. on Twitter. Give me, give me like some of the frustration that you felt over the weekend, and and I can try and there, there's some stuff that I agree with, but I'm try I want to try and give the perspective of uh, Ross in the front sure. office, so um, so at least fans can understand that. Yeah, sure. So to set it up for those who don't know, when when September rolls around, rosters expand slightly. Used to be a lot more. Now it's pretty slight. Rosters expand from 26 to 28. And teams have to carry 28. You know, it used to be it would expand to include the full 40-man roster, but it was optional. You can bring up as many guys as you want or not. Now you have to add those two extra guys. So keeping that in mind, that it's not like a situation where you're calling someone up and so like, oh, there must be a reason they're calling this guy up. It's, well, you have to have two more players. You have to. Okay, fine. And uh, the Cubs called up outfield prospect Alexander Canario and uh, sort of veteran starting because he's been starting at Iowa, Shane Green, uh, but veteran reliever who's been pitching very well this year. And where there was tumult among the fans, at least the the reasonable fans, I would say, because I include myself among them, uh, really came down to two things in that red series. And I understand that the opportunities weren't perfect, but for example, on Friday, when you've got a doubleheader day and you know you're playing three games in, or four games in three days in Cincinnati, um, not giving Canario a start in one of those two games, both for the fact that you know he'd been playing so well, he's coming up, you, you never know what you're going to get when a young guy comes up, you might get a little burst, um, and to rest someone just to take the load off a little bit. Like it's a lot of these guys are it's there's a lot going on for these guys at this point in the year. And so you're, you're in a stretch where you're playing more games than there are days. Um, That alone was frustrating to me. And then certainly by the end of the weekend where Canario hadn't even gotten a plate appearance, I was apoplectic about that Um, because there were opportunities there were, and now it's, it's now it's super past the point where it's going to make any sense to give him a start at all. Like it just would be silly now. Um, so we can start there. The Shane Green stuff are, and kind of tied to Mark Leiter getting the ninth on, was that Saturday night? Saturday night, yeah. On paper, yeah, on paper at first seemed perfectly sensible to me because uh, Javier Assad was pushing 100 pitches. 
Um, it kind of seemed like he was emptying the tank in, in the eighth. You knew Azalai was going to be down. Uh, and then there were lefties coming up. So it made sense. It was a lot of appearances for lighter, but that's true for a lot of guys. What, I, what we didn't know at the time was then when lighter came out and had nothing. It wasn't just that, you know, balls found holes or whatever, like he couldn't throw his splitter anywhere remotely close to where he needed to. And so he's worthless against lefties when that's happening. And I'm sure he was tired. I'm sure he was gassed. But when Ross offered that as the defense after the fact, like, well, you know, you know, these guys are all tired, you know, lighter had nothing about, well, you had like three fresh pitchers in the bullpen that you could have gone with that I understand aren't your guys. They're not in the circle of trust, Quas, Palencia and green, but they were fresh. They were available. And so I don't look, I mostly appreciate the job that Ross has done. I got to want this to be like, I'm just some meatball fan who's like hammering the manager, but it was a rare time when I heard that as the explanation and defense after the fact that I'm like, no, man, that's your job. Your job is to know, like, does this guy have enough in his tank to, to do this? Right. Right. Versus the guys who are fresh so, and aren't as good, but they're fresh. So let's, that really pissed me off. Let's let's go through that. He he offered that as a defense after the fact, right? He wasn't saying like I didn't go to like he he had the evidence Correct. now he that was, it was like he was defending. His so guy. he was defending, he was defending his defending guy. Lighter. He's like, listen, you can't get it. Like, that. don't don't assume that this is who he is going forward. Type thing. He's gas. This bullpen yeah. is gas. Uh, he has to go. Like, I think in that situation, like first of all. Anyone that's suggesting Assad needs to be out there, I think you're you're wrong. Yeah, on that. that I can. Uh, Assad I think should not I, have been out there. Like, I agree on that. Once you know, like it's the fourth time through the order, there are a bunch of lefties. Like it's very obvious that that he had emptied the tank. I thought after the seventh, I was like, is he going to send him back out there? And he did, and he did great. Bottom of the order, good job, great job, Assad. I'm impressed. Uh, your night is done. You're done. Great job, you you. Uh, kept us in this game and you're the reason we have a chance to win this game because the offense did nothing uh, next to nothing right uh, and uh, I think you go to lighter there because he said before the game in all likelihood this is how these things work right Ross didn't tell us this he didn't come out and say this guy's down this guy's down this guy isn't down right but read between the lines all the guys that you you would want in that situation primarily are lighter first right because there's a bunch of lefties coming up uh, then, uh, then probably Alzali, then Merriweather, right? Alzali and Merriweather pretty clearly were down. A lighter probably told them before the game, "I'm good to go. You can use me if you need me. I'm I'm here for you. You got to trust them. You got to trust these guys that that have gotten you to this point. If he says he's good to go, you got to trust him. He saw afterwards he wasn't right. He was like he thought but he was good to go. Yeah, yeah. Can I ask you something on that? This is this is actually something I've wondered about in these situations, and I know takes time to get guys hot in the bullpen. Is there ever a situation where a guy is throwing it's in the bullpen and, and you're you calling see, down, yeah. you I call down and you're like, Hey, I, I've noticed he has nothing. I think maybe you need to get somebody else. Up. Yeah. Like, I mean, maybe, maybe that, that can happen. I, but I just sometimes like, that's really hard to judge too, right? Where the guy like doesn't have anything in the bullpen and then he just goes out there and it's three quick outs. So I like, yeah, like, I don't think like, like Palencia is not at that point where he has the trust. Shane Green wasn't here to do that. Shane Green's not in the big leagues to do that but right that's now. That's what he did the next day. He pitched the ninth the next day, which I know in was a fifteen-seven game. That's what he was which there that for. Was stupid. Yeah, that was stupid. By the way, in the first place, that Keegan Thompson was coming in to get those final two innings in a blowout. It should have been Green in the first place. I, so here's the yeah. thing. I like this is what I think. 
He was trying to see what he could do, get from Keegan. How does Keegan look on one day's rest? Oh, not as sharp as three days rest. Okay, confirming that. This is a blowout. Okay, put Shane Green in because Shane Green, why does he like Shane Green? Because Ross hates guys that walk people in a blowout. That like he that drives him nuts. He saw it in the Pittsburgh game, right? Eight to one that uh, he had to then bring in uh, multiple uh, high leverage guys, right? Wisniewski struggled, and then Palencia also struggled at one point. So he wanted a strike thrower in that 15-7 game. I get the 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 lighter stuff, right? Uh, I, I get going to him in that situation. I, I, like, Green wasn't an option. Green's, like, I think there was, because the Cubs were being so coy, like, about what was going on, uh, we didn't exactly know what, green was there for until we he got there and it became clear it's like oh he's here to eat innings in a blowout so he doesn't have to go to anyone he trusts uh like he likes veteran strike throwers in those moments and and just like go out there clean this finish this game off i'm not using my high leverage guys i don't think shane green is here for the entirety of september and i don't think shane green is here to eat up high leverage innings with canario i think here's here are a couple points first of all i think I think there could have been an argument. I think there is an argument to be made that he should have played in the 15-7 game. I think part of that is Ross is just like, I can't use my high leverage guys and get tack on as many runs as possible. I cannot risk them coming back in, in any fashion, right? I think that's in his head. Um, I think there's maybe a lack of sentimentality in these moments where he's f- fighting for a playoff spot. Uh, I think, uh, you know, here's the most important point. This is what I feel. If you list off important players that you need to get right for September and October, it goes Dansby Swanson, uh, Michael talk, Mike Talkman, Nick Madrigal. Those guys are all ahead of Canario. Do you catch lightning in a bottle from Canario or do you guys get those guys right and have them figure out their, their crap at the plate and have them right for entirety of September and hopefully good for October. They're struggling. They're the key. They're they're keys to this uh, offense humming along the rest of the way, right? They're not going to just ride Bellinger and Hap the rest of the way. That's how it's been all season, right? Different guys step up. They need Swanson right. They need Madrigal to feel his swing right. They need Mike Tochman to do more than just take walks on occasion, right? And those all all those guys had big games. Here's something that Ross said after the game. That I think and that you're going to say like that those were against bad pitchers and and I get that and I'm not saying you're going to say that I'm saying some fans are going to say those were against bad pitchers exactly he wants them to get their confidence back up against bad pitchers because he he said something that really intrigued me after the game he said I have a theory that guys face really good pitching and then start thinking like overthinking things like oh oh I'm in a slump. Oh no, I'm struggling. Oh, oh, and they start overthinking things, and then they ju- they need the results to get their heads back in the game. And he gave them th- that opportunity against some bad Reds pitching. Right? He was trying to do that, and it, it we'll see if it worked. But I appreciate that more than just saying, "Let's see if we can catch a lightning in a bottle with Canario," because th- it's September. It, it's not. It, it, you you want it? You got to ride your guys. That's how I look at it. I think there were moments. I agree. I think if if Sunday's starter was a lefty, I would have started Canario. Not sure if Ross would have. Uh, I'm not. I, I like. I think Ross has his own uh, like things that he wants to do and sentimentality and getting a guy's debut and all that stuff. Is it one final point? We, we haven't let Patrick talk. Sorry. <laughs> one final point. They put guys on developmental lists or sit them down for days all the time in the minors. All the time. 
Nobody freaks out about it unless there's an injury, right? Like nobody freaks out about it. This is normal. He's getting time in the big leagues, days off, uh, to watch what happens in the big leagues, to learn from big leaguers. Does he want to play? Absolutely. I'm sure he does. But this isn't the end of the world for him developmentally. And I think it's the right thing for the team to get those players right. You want to ride your best guys because that's who's going to get them. But I do agree with some moment there. He probably like I would have put him in there <laughs> in the in the ninth inning, right? Like let him have it a bat. But Ross clearly didn't. So that that that's that's my uh, two cents on that at least. And some of it I disagree with Ross, but majority of it I think he was he was in the right there. I really thought Ross was going to use Canario to close out those games in Cincinnati because <laughs> looking on Twitter X, I just assumed he was like the greatest thing since Shohei Otani. Like I just assumed he was like a two-way guy. He does have a big the, arm. Just the the outrage uh, on social media on that one. I mean, like why is he up here? Because they have to bring someone up and he's on the 40-man roster. Like it's not a Supreme Court appointment. He'll probably be out in a couple days. Uh, you know what would really destroy his development? If he destroyed his ankle and his shoulder in winter ball. Like, that would be a huge setback. And, you know, I remember in 2020, the Cubs called up Justin Steele, and he never pitched in a game and thought he might get moonlight grammed. And never, you know, he didn't get to pitch then. What did he do? He played better. So I think we've totally lost the plot here in this podcast. <laughs> Justin Steele crushed it yesterday. The Cubs are, what, 10 games over 500. They're two and a half you out like of first. Set this up, by it's the like way, 20 minutes into a to podcast. Like, <laughs> come on. We cover all the bullshit. And, all right, go, go, go. No, that's it. I was just like, <laughs> I can't no, believe right. this that is what people point. are talking about. The 28th guy on the roster where the Cubs are a playoff contender. I, I agree with Patrick on that. We yeah, did lose some the plot of that there. is listen, some of that is that's the perfect phrase for it. And that's because of kind of how I kicked off the podcast, right? It's been five years. We have been habituated to, and I say we Cubs fans have been habituated to being intensely focused on these kinds of things, right? Like the development of prospects and getting them exposure and what's what kind of cookies are we going to get at the end of the year? Like, so I think there is some flavor of that. I think uh, some people certainly seemed to think that Canario was going to be the difference between a one-run game this weekend and a, and a five-run game. And I think that that is certainly overblown. And I think probably I get a little wrapped up in the sentimentality of it, of just like, you know, amazing story that he came back from what he came back from last year, be up in the big leagues. And it's like, I want to see him get that, that, that game uh, that we may not see now. So all good, all good points. Um, and yes, we can turn, of course, to bigger picture. What matters a lot more right now is uh, what the Cubs are doing, um, you know, on Sunday to, to turn that into a split against the Reds. Uh, they did it again. We've talked how many times have we talked about this. They have these crushing moments that just don't seem to have any impact the next day. And that was a, a fantastic example of it. Very important win for the Cubs who really didn't suffer much in the wild card standings for those losses. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Um, and then they start this, or they continue the stretch because the Reds are in it too, of playing the teams that are chasing them in the wild card race. And they kick it off. What a perfect way to kick it off. You have Justin Steele going. It's at Wrigley. And he just, I, mean, I don't know, that's as good as he's looked, right? I mean, it's, it's, it says a lot to say because we've been watching him all year and he was fantastic in the second half last year too. But um, the, you, you often say that the batters will tell you how a pitcher is doing. And the Giants just looked hapless yesterday. They just looked completely, you know, like they had they just had no idea what to do with anything he was doing. And that's that's uh, that's how good he's become. Yeah, you know, I I said this on the radio yesterday, and and I like I'm constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop with both this team and mainly with this offense and with the starting pitching. I don't know what it is. I like I think I like I've gotten used to these moments of hey, the offense looks really good and then it lasts for a month and it disappears. Um I've gotten used to like seeing flashes from guys and being like is this guy legit? And then he's not. You know, it, it's like, "Oh, that was just, you know, and it's like we need to trust our eyes here. We need to just Except, I mean, maybe I'm, when I say we, I mean me. Like, Justin Steele is a Cy Young candidate. That's obvious. He's the ace of this team. And he's a game one starter in the playoffs. Like, he has everything you want in, in the pitcher right now. Uh, I think most importantly, he's up for the big game. He's, like, he's got, like, he's got what it takes. He's not going to back down. He knows how to pitch, how like he knows his strengths and he rides them. Right, he's not this guy that's going to break down a scouting report and and like study it for the you know four days in between his starts and really and really analyze the opposition and be like, okay, this is his weakness. No, 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 no. These are my strengths, and I'm going. If you can beat me with my strengths, good luck. Yeah. Props to you because that's how he goes out there and attacks. He's got a great catcher behind the plate that uh, any bumps he may run into in the middle of the game, he can help him through. Uh, like it's, I, I think the Cubs have their ace, and and it's just time to like realize that, accept that, and see like, it, are we seeing like I, I think all now he needs all he needs to do for me to check off the final box is is go out there and do it in October, right? Uh, let's see him. Let's see how he reacts to that moment. Cause every other moment he's stepped up and it's like, wow, this guy is not afraid to back down. Uh, and, and I just want to echo what you said, uh, to start off your comment there, Brett, we, bad moments happen. 
have happened throughout this season, this team has not allowed it to sink them. Like, they could have back-to-back gut-punch losses Friday and Saturday night. One of those, you know, it happens. The second one is like, uh-oh, right? That's that's what you start thinking. Like, is this the end? Is it all collapsing? Uh, no, they're not going to allow that to sink them. They, they, It's a good group of guys that understand how baseball works, and it's not like don't let that – don't let that bad moment from yesterday's game impact today's game. They're, they're really good at flushing that and just going out there and taking care of business. And, and they've done that now, basically erase that those two tough losses that I think are more about the fact that the bullpen is overused and overworked because of all these close games. And these last two games are huge for that reason as well. Uh, give those guys a break and, and let them get back to themselves. I'm not worried about those bullpen arms. I'm worried about their usage. Just think of two of the big markers on the baseball calendar. It's Memorial Day and Labor Day. And Memorial Day, the Cubs were, I think I wrote they were about to get canceled, basically, because that's how bad it looked. There was no, like, realistic case, like, oh, yeah, like, they're going to turn around. You would have to be, like, an ultimate optimist to be – Writing that, and then on Labor Day you get thirty nine thousand fans, uh, Justin Steele on the mound, and it goes back to what we've talked about, like four hours, you know, going back months, if not years. Like, what would it take for the Cubs to get to the next level? What would it take to accelerate this rebuild? Well, you need someone having a Jake Arrieta type of season, and that's really where Steele is at right now. I mean, it's whatever wind day steel day whatever ross calls it it's kind of like what darvish was in 2020 um i think whatever the criteria was like eight scoreless two hits or fewer 12 or more strikeouts like i think it was first lefty since 1901 for the cubs and the first time since jake arietta's one zeno hitter at dodger stadium you have uh david ross you know i asked him about the john lester comparison which is Obviously unfair. That guy has like three World Series rings um, and the body of work that will put him in Hall of Fame consideration. But like he was the one who was like back home calling Ross, giving pointers. He is Ross's snapshot. Like John Lester is a reason why David Ross is the manager here. Like there are some similarities just in terms of what Sahadev was talking about of like pitching to strengths, uh, keeping your composure and just going out there and competing and you know the fact that you know, we can talk about steel in the same breath as like Arietta, lester darvish like it's it's really impressive and and i think it's a reason why i still need to see him finish september i mean i still think that's something you know it's really no one wants to be like the debbie downer talking about that after such an awesome game but i i, I do wonder if you know if he'll hit the wall um, if the bullpen will hit a wall, but in terms of like a total collapse, no, I don't, I don't see that happening. Yeah. I think it's fair to keep that backdrop in mind that this is going to be a pretty significant innings jump for him. And, and he is an intense competitor out there. And that, you know, when I was watching yesterday's game and thinking about what he got through the seventh and you're like, well, it's so hot out. It's, you know, it's been very low stress day, but, you know, he's thrown a lot of pitches. Maybe, maybe that's that. And he comes back out for the eighth and he's just, you know, s- still as dominant. You, It did make me wonder in that moment. I'm like, how many more starts does he have left like this? You know, before it's like, okay, the body just is not going to 
going to do it. And, and he doesn't have experience and the Cubs don't have recent experience in working with a guy to contain that a bit so that it's there for the postseason. And that isn't to say, you know, it isn't as simple as reducing the, the pitch count or telling a guy to rein it in. It, it's not what it is because these games matter and these wins matter. It's really just, you might not know fully how to do it for your own body until you've done it. And so this is going to be a tremendously valuable experience for him and the Cubs, regardless of what happens from here. But, but I do hear that Mooney and think, that sometimes just I wonder what this next month is going to look like. Um, the you other know, thing that his start made me just to, yeah. just to like some things that I've picked up uh, over the past week or so. Uh, the Stroman news, I think, I don't know what it means, right? Because this whole situation is so weird, uh, and and the injury and everything is so like random, and and we know nothing about it in terms of like how it impacts uh, a baseball pitcher much. Um, but that he's throwing a bullpen that he just threw a bullpen out in Arizona. Like that's, that's interesting, right? So maybe there's a chance he comes in. How do they, like, how can they use that to kind of give Steele a, a, a break? Maybe how can they use Ben Brown's back, right? Throwing in Iowa through an inning of relief. They're going to try and stretch him out and see if he can, what, what he can do. He's going to impact the team in some way, in all, in some likelihood, right? It, it, like there, there's a there's a likely chance that he's either a bullpen arm or he could even make a start. If that, like those two names or, or runs, I'm going to keep in my head, uh, both for impacting the team and possibly giving Steele a rest, whether it's an extra day between starts, whether it's skip a start, whatever it may be. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of. That part I'm speculating on because I'm, I, I agree with what Patrick said and what you said. Like, yeah, I like Steele's legit, but do you want to push him to whatever? Like, like push him in October, right? Get get you want to get to the playoffs, but you want to push him in October more than anything. Uh, so you gotta you gotta find that balance. How do we make sure we we leverage our best pitcher to help us get to the postseason, but also. When we do get to the postseason, is he properly rested? Do we give him some breaks? Do we find some spaces to maybe skip a start or or push a start back a a couple days? Whatever it may be. Uh, Not saying that he can't handle it, just that that may be the best way to go about it. And it's been a bumpy road to get the rotation to where it is now, but because it has been, it's kind of interesting that the only guy we're having this conversation about is Justin Steele because – you look at the innings load for Jordan Wicks and Javier Assad and James Tyone, all for different reasons. And Kyle Hendricks also, because he started late, you, you don't have this same. And the Cubs are fortunate in that regard because a lot of teams, they are carried by their their horses to this point in the year. And, and everybody's pushing 200 innings and you do have those questions. The only other thing I was going to say about Steele's start is I thought it was really interesting to see the contrast in his eight scoreless innings and Javier Assad's eight scoreless innings. Um, a couple days before. How about that, by the way? Cubs had two homegrown, entirely homegrown starting pitchers go eight dominant innings in a three-day span. I mean, that's been a long time since that was a thing you could say. Um, somebody, We need Ed Hardig on the case on that one, but I think it's probably been a very long time. Um, but what's interesting is it's not a one-size-fit-all process for the Cubs. Steele, as you guys noted, he, he is a guy who, the, the clicking moment for him was, you know, if I really just throw my slider and my fastball, the shapes that I can make with them are going to make me effective. They're my two best pitches. You know, they, 
the fastball has three different shapes and it's like that's that's how he does it two very plus pitches right and Assad throws six different pitches none of them are particularly sexy when you watch them none of them jump off the screen the metrics apparently say that they're all slightly below average but if you are a guy who truly does have six pitches that you can command almost every time you take them out like they're always available to you you can have a lot of success mixing and matching and it's just a very different look than what steel is bringing and and i i dig that the cubs are having success developing and sort of putting those finishing touches on very different types of pitchers because that that could speak well to the years ahead when they've got even more guys coming yeah i think uh you know, I'm going to be writing on this and, and a little bit more on pitching development, but the Cubs have taken a step forward, and I think that that's great. Like, um, but you kind of look at the pitchers that they've had the most success with: um, Assad, uh, Steele's a little different, but Assad and Wicks, I think, are two guys that you say like they had the command first, and then and then they developed a little bit more velocity, and they kind of separated. Uh, Wix's breaking balls, like little things like that. It's more they gave them a little bit more stuff, but they had the command. Uh, how do you, you can you do the reverse? Because go look at all the look at some of the numbers of the walk rates of, of some of these guys. I don't I'm not sure if the Cubs can do that. So either you change your acquisition, either you have to focus on uh, a specific type acquisitionally, right? Like uh, look for command types and what what can you tease out more there or or you need to find uh uh different methods as far as command goes right so it's not it's not a finished product as far as pitching development goes but i i think it's impossible to argue against the fact that it's light years ahead of where it was five six seven years ago right i mean uh the the numbers bear that out on it on their own and you have to go back several years and there were people inside the Cubs who'd been around the game for a long time and had a you know healthy maybe skepticism is the world word because they're also open minded but like the Cubs didn't know if any of this would work you know and I think how some of the stuff was presented like oh we got the pitching figured out and you know I go back to you know Tom Ricketts last September you know and and Jed Hoyer uh, you know talking up the homegrown stuff and like. It was very much a question mark, and you know, to their credit, they they've answered a lot of questions. Now, it's hard to continually churn out pitching, and that's why you have to capitalize on those years when things do break right. But I think there was some some trial and error. Whether it was realizing like maybe some of those drive line max effort stuff wasn't always uh, super productive to developing healthy pitchers, and maybe you work more on like grips as opposed to like major mechanical changes and stuff like that and it always comes down to the player and I think of you know Justin Steele we're talking about you know him being called up in 2020 and not getting in a game and he went back to South Bend and he really maximized that time to figure out the slider and he kind of needed that time he already had developed a routine because he had gone through a Tommy John rehab and you know his personality was more of like playing video games and going out and partying. So he was able to get one-on-one instruction and really uh, maximize those opportunities. So you have like, it wasn't like a a flip that was switched. That's why it's kind of funny seeing some of these like, you know, graphics or stats of, you know, innings pitched by, you know, homegrown stuff. Like there are just so many 
factors and trends and individuals that go into like that homegrown label, but it, it sure is like, you know, you can't miss it now at this point. I mean, like we barely even talk about, you know, Jordan Wicks and like, uh, he certainly looks like a dude, uh, who came up to the big leagues really fast and looks like he belongs. Cade Horton is regarded by many as the what second best starting pitching prospect in the minors behind the guy who went one, one overall this summer. So yeah, I think that um, the Cubs will also need to continue to treat it as an ongoing process. You can't, they, they have said this many times that the, the moment you think you have it figured out is when everybody else passes you by. And so you have to stay on the bleeding edge of this stuff and hopefully they will. In the meantime, we will see these arms continue to contribute um, down the stretch, homegrown and acquired and developed. Like Asad have said, Ben Brown seems like a pretty good bet to come up in one way or another. He's already on the 40-man. We know he's rehabbing the lat injury, but he's back at Iowa now. So look for him. He's a pretty fun fun guy to watch. And how about Hayden Wisniewski? Big bounce back outing uh, over the weekend. Like looked looked really, really good. Throwing 99. What? Where did that come from? Um, so, yeah, spotting it. Like, and take him down lefties. Like it was – you try not to – you don't – I don't know. Yeah, I didn't want to take – yeah, right, exactly. You don't want to take too much because he he looked pretty lost in the appearance before that. So, but that's that's part of the process. That's part of the big league development too for these guys. Uh, okay, we'll leave it there. Good stuff. Uh, this is Antwavelin. It's the Cubs podcast about Alexander Canario, and uh, here at the Athletic, uh, I'm Brett Taylor. You can get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That is Sadiq Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get theirs at the Athletic. Cubs have two more uh, against the Giants this week, and then they host the Diamondbacks. So no time, no time to rest. Try to keep the pressure on these sort of down, uh, down the standings wildcard teams to at least solidify that place and hopefully continue to make up ground on the Brewers. Thank hat tip to the Pirates for taking down Corbin Burns last night. That was great. Uh, all right, thanks, and everybody have a good week. Talk to you again soon. Take care. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.